All right, I want to jump into the message uh, today. Good to see you. If you're first time being here, we welcome you. We pray you feel at home, and we pray you feel God's presence. My heart is stirred today because of the message. I'm going to uh, try to get through it tearless, but I can't guarantee it. The series title is called Heaven and Hell, and my opening text is this. In the words of Jesus, he said, Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. In this series, we're going to be taking a closer look at the eternity, the homes, the eternal homes of every soul on earth. There are only two locations, only two possibilities. It's heaven or it's hell. This week, as I was headed to church, just to something that happened, so unusual, but it's just a reminder of, of the work that we have as a, as a church, the work that we have as a people of God. As I was coming down Burnham, excuse me, Luckney Road, in a flow of traffic, it's really busy, that road, coming toward Brandon. Out of the peripheral, out of my peripheral vision, I saw a man walking up to the road, waving his hand. So as I turned and looked, I, then I heard him as I was passing by. First I saw it looked like his mouth was bloody. And I saw him waving his hand saying, help, help. And what was so unusual, it, it would have been hard for me to stop anyway, but what was so unusual, there's a guy behind him that wrapped his arms around him from the back and was pulling him back to the house. And I thought, that really doesn't look right. So I called 911. As I got into Brandon, I saw the police on the way, but two cars headed that way. And what a reminder. In a normal house, on a normal road, in a little small, normal little town, the needs that are not just our physical need, not just the emotional need, but the greatest is a spiritual need. An eternal home every soul is headed to. And we are the answer. I'm not saying move church. I'm talking about Christians. We are the answer. We have the answer. We have the gospel, which is good news. And spiritually speaking, they, they may not be doing it physically. They most likely are not. But spiritually, there's a cry for help. Somebody asking, help me. Jesus, as he looked over Jerusalem, he wept. Because he saw them as sheep without a shepherd harassed, 
and helpless. And I'm speaking for myself, but I'm also hoping it's for us all. And may our hearts beat to give the good news of Jesus Christ. May we be consumed about eternities than we more consumed about eternities and eternities of people, I mean, than we are the temporal pleasures of this earth. Because wide is the gate that leads to destruction, Jesus said. But narrow is the gate that leads to life. In this series, we're going to be looking at heaven and hell. Please invite someone. We're going to be discovering what it's going to be like, looking at scripture, what is it going to be like our first day in either place. We're going to be looking at the events that's going to take place that the Bible tells us about. There's many things that we don't know, but there are some things that we can be sure of. The scripture says it. And we're maybe going to look at some overlooked things that we don't think about, but the scripture mentions. Today, I simply want to ask you, where are you going? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much. Thank you that your presence is here. You have brought good news to us. I'm so thankful. You've allowed us to have ears that have heard the good news. And Lord, my prayer is that we have accepted. Not just Jesus as a Savior, but Jesus as our Lord so we can have eternal life. And I believe, Lord, that you're having us to be bread carriers, carriers of the bread of life to others. Burden us with your gospel. Would you do that? Give us eyes to see the hurts and the needs. Give us the mouth that would proclaim. Holy Spirit, burn in us a desire to make a difference for you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. In real estate, they say when you're looking for your home, location is everything. Well, I can promise you that's the case when it comes to your eternal home. You want to make sure that your eternal home is heaven. I want to talk to you about the location of heaven. When we think about heaven, heaven is not just a good life. As a matter of fact, I don't think we ever experience heaven on earth till the new heaven comes down at the end of the tribulation time. Finally, we'll have heaven on earth. But as a Christian, having the Holy Spirit within us, we get a glimpse of heaven. I think church is a glimpse of heaven. I think move church is a, a, a small glimpse of what heaven is like. I think we really, really genuinely love each other. I think we're genuinely happy to see each other. If not, you sure fake it real good. But we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And that is a part of heaven, but heaven is not just an, an ideal, scenic, peaceful place. Heaven 
The first blank is this, is a real place. It is a place. It's not a thought. It's not just the right circumstances. Heaven is a place. It's beyond and better than any physical scene that we can conjure up in our mind. It is better than a physical place. Actually, it is a spiritual place that has physical characteristics. John 14, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, talking about those that belong to him, I will come again and take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. I just wonder if Jesus, he is the master carpenter, and I just wonder if he's going to just be the one to show us to our place. Be it a room, be it a mansion, it really ain't going to matter to me. What about you? Jesus does great work. It's going to be a good place to, to stay. It's going to be wonderful. It is a place. It is a spiritual eternal place. The second location, think about the location of heaven is this. Heaven is up. <laughs> is up. Every scripture that we see in Bible when it talks about the in the Bible when it talks about the direction of heaven, it's upward. In Acts 1, here's one example after Jesus ascended into heaven after he rose from the dead, it said, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and, say, and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. How many of you believe that's going to be soon? I believe we're on the edge of seeing him come back down from heaven to grab us. We'll meet him in the air the first time called the rapture. Then after the seven-year tribulation, he will come down and stand on the Mount of Olives and then take up his rule and reign and we'll be with him. This Jesus was taken up from you. I think I read all of that. Let me get to my text now. On the day uh, of the rapture, what a beautiful sight that was to see Jesus go back up into heaven, his home. If you listen to Perry Stone, I heard a message where he talked about heaven being to the north in the northern gal galaxy. He said there are scientists, and I looked this up, they say there's a void in the northern galaxy that cannot be explained. So he said, if you look at the northern star, uh, you're looking at the direction of heaven. I don't know if that's the case or not. It is a place. It is up. I don't know if it's to the north or not. It is ironic to me to know that the northern star is a star that seems to stay in place as the earth rotates so close to our north pole it seems like that star doesn't move much. 
what Perry Stone said, the Lord set that up, because if you're ever lost, you can always look to the north. And I'm telling you, if you're lost this morning, look to heaven. God has destined that to be your home, and Jesus has paid the price for you to be there. So heaven is up. Then the third thing about the location of heaven is this. Heaven has dimensions. The Bible teaches us that. In Genesis 1.1, it says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There are three heavens. Let me give those to you if you're taking notes. These are great conversations. I'm telling you, with everything going on in Israel, anybody that has any kind of history of of the Bible or recollection of the Bible, um, uh, Bible uh, in, the, in uh, excuse me, prophecy, they're asking questions. I think there's an anticipation that Jesus is coming. So, you man, these are great conversations to have with people. Three heavens. The first heaven is this, the atmospheric heaven. That is the heaven that surrounds the earth. This is the air, contains the air that we breathe. This is the sky that surrounds the earth. It, the atmospheric heaven uh, extends about 20 miles above the earth. The second heaven is this, the celestial heaven. The celestial heaven. This is the outer space. This is our sun, moon, and stars, the things that make up our galaxy. That's the celestial heaven in Matthew 24. Jesus said immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the third heaven, and it's been called the third heaven in scripture, we'll read that, but it's also been called as the heaven of heavens. This is where we are headed. If Jesus is your Lord, this is where you and I are headed. 2 Corinthians says, I, Paul talking about uh, this in Scripture, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was called up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. That's what I say a lot about a lot of things when it comes to prophecy. As a matter of fact, I'm a little leery of anybody that knows everything in detail because you're making it up and saying it as of the Lord. There's a lot of things that we don't know, but God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise. He again, he again says, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. There are many things about this third heaven that we don't know, but there are things that the Bible teaches us that we'll be looking at in this series. It's going to be more wonderful than you and I can imagine. We're going to see sights that we've never seen, colors that we've never seen. Or you will have spiritual senses that will be greater than your natural senses. It's going to be so amazing to be there. With our Lord. Now let's talk about where is hell. Where is hell? There's a couple of things that we can find in Scripture about hell. First of all, it's the same as in heaven. The, the, number one, hell is a place. 
It's not a bad life. It's not a tough season. It's not an ex-wife or an ex-husband. <laughs> not a state of being. It's a literal place. It's not a big old party. But like heaven, hell is more than just a physical location. It's an eternal spiritual location that has physical characteristics, the way it's described. We will be spiritual beings there, with, but it's described with physical attributes. 2 Peter 2 says this, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from trials, praise the Lord, and to keep the unrighteous under punishment until the day of judgment. It's a literal place. The second thing about hell is this. For heaven is up, hell is David speaking of his enemies. Man, don't you feel like David sometimes, he said this about his enemies. Let death seize them. <laughs> he ain't learned that lesson from Jesus about forgiving your enemies yet. He said, let them go down alive into hell. That's pretty bad, ain't it? For wickedness is, their dwelling, uh, is in their dwellings and among them. But I can promise you this, you wouldn't want your worst enemy to go to hell. If you actually, actually saw hell, we wouldn't want that for anyone Scripture seems to indicate that hell is at the core of the earth. Again, I will not say, I don't know. I will say, as the Scripture said earlier, but God knows. But there's a couple of Scriptures that make it seem like it's at the core of the earth. Matthew 12, 40, Jesus said, For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Not just talking about his death, but talking about what he did while he was in that grave. How many of you know Jesus was not just sleeping, <laughs> waiting for the third day? He experienced death, but he instantly came alive, just not his physical body was seen. Because this is what the scripture says in Ephesians 4. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Speaking of when he descended, it said, and say he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. So when Jesus was in that grave, after he tasted death, he went down to hell and he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible said that he led captivity free. He preached, theologians believe, he actually declared himself to those of old. And that's the reason why at his death, the Bible said many of the saints of old came and walked among them. 
in the city of Jerusalem. Isn't that, wouldn't that be, wouldn't it have been something to see? And he went and declared, he preached the gospel about himself. And it's believed that many received who would not receive, right? And I don't, there's a lot of that that I don't understand. I just do know what the scripture says. In saying he ascended, what does it mean? But that he descended. And verse 10, he who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he may fill all things. So it's believed that hell is located in the center of the earth. In a report done by a news outlet called Israel 365 News, they state scientists report the heart of the earth to be a solid inner core making up at least 1% of the Earth's volume. The inner core is two-thirds the size of the moon, made mainly of iron. And it says this inner core reaches temperatures of up to 5,700 Celsius, making it as hot as the sun's surface. And out of the pressure caused by gravity, they say it prevents it from becoming liquid. So the core is metal, iron, hot as the sun's surface, but surrounding this is the outer core where scientists say there's 1,242 miles. I don't know how they got so specific with those miles. It's a layer, a thick layer of molten rock, excuse me, molten iron, nickel, and other metals that surrounds that core. 1,200-mile layer, 1,200 miles deep of molted metal. Seems like that would be a, a sufficient place for hell, doesn't it? Hell all has two dimensions. Let me give those to you. I know this is a heavy message, um, but there's good news for us, Amen. Aren't you glad that you've been saved from hell? That you're saved to heaven? The two dimensions of hell, the first one, and again, it doesn't go into a lot of detail, and, and I won't speculate. I try not to speculate much, but I do know the first one that it mentions is Hades. Hades is a place that's eternal, but it is a place that will actually after the white throne judgment, the great white throne judgment will be thrown itself into the lake of fire. It is, if you will, the holding place for judgment of the unrighteous dead. It says the time came, the scripture says in Luke, Jesus saying this, the time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried and in Hades where he was in torment. He looked up and saw Abraham far away. Now, I really don't believe it was that close for him to see with his natural eyes. Again, I believe we're talking about spiritual senses that you will have intact in hell. Senses that you will be able to see, feel, taste, touch. And I believe with his spiritual senses, he was able to see paradise, and there he saw the beggar. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me. 
Now, how many of us understand at that moment it's too late to ask for pity, to ask for mercy, to receive forgiveness? I think so many people believe that, hey, I could just cry out to the Lord at that time. And at this time, it's too late. That's the reason why I do my best to try to teach us that judgment from God, which is conviction in our soul, is wonderful on oh, this side of heaven, on this side of eternity. That when God convicts us, it is his love toward us that he would show us something that would keep us from him. And when he convicts us, it's not to push us back but it's to pull us close to him. How wonderful it is to be convicted of the Lord because he says, I love you so much. I'm not going to allow this in your life. I have so much better for you. This is death and destruction. I have abundant life for you. So therefore he convicts us. Praise God for his convicting power. So thankful that he convicts us, that he judges us before the great judgment. Every time you feel your heart, be convicted by the Holy Ghost. Don't hesitate. Please, repent. You don't have to run up to the altar. It's great if you're here on Sunday, but don't wait till Sunday. When you feel him convicting your heart, say, God, I thank you. You love me so much that you don't want this to remain. You want me to be close to you. And I repent. Please forgive me. So he called him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in the fire. So Hades will also have torment. Torment for the unrighteous begins at death. <sighs> Just like paradise for the righteous begins at that last breath. The scripture says that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus told the man on the cross, he was fixed to take its last breath. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. That story that Jesus tells, I don't believe some say it's a parable. I really don't believe it's a parable because Jesus gave a name, Lazarus. I believe it was an actual occurrence. But can I tell you, later on, Lazarus says, well, please send, excuse me, the, uh, the rich man said, please send Lazarus to my father's house because I have four brothers. I believe some of the greatest prayer meetings that you'll ever hear is taking place in hell at this moment. I believe if you want to hear someone interceding for the lost, if we could listen to, to hell, it would make our prayer meetings seem half asleep. Intercession, I believe, happens in hell. 
not that it does any good. So Hades, Hades is a compartment. It's a place that the unrighteous dead are held for judgment. Let me read in Revelation, the torture only gets worse at the great white throne judgment. I don't see in scripture where we will stand before the great white throne judgment. I am not sure. God knows. But if we do, we will already know that our name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And if you are not, if you have not received Christ, you know standing in that line that your name is not. Revelation 20 says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. I'm going to look at those books. Then other books were opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in them. Death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. Done some studying on this, and again, this is, something that I'm definitely not 100% sure. But this scholar says, just like for those who died in Christ, that our spirit goes to heaven, there will be a time where our physical body will be transformed like Christ, who was trans his body was transformed to attach again, to come in alignment again, or to house his, his spirit again. And like that, the physical body is death, will join again with the soul that's in hell to be judged before the Lord. In other words, God made the physical body and he will not let it just go back to dust. It will come back. Now, whether it happens like that, I don't know in hell, but I'm not planning on finding out, are you? said, death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them and they were judged. Let me go back to that 13, if you would. Each one of them according to what they had done. So this teaches us not only will they be sentenced to hell, but the degree of torment will be depending upon what they have done. Just like in heaven, our works will be judged, and we, we, we will be rewarded for the good things that we've done to honor the Lord. So important for, you, for us to know in both homes, if you will, that there will be, it, it does matter what we do. Let me say it that way. Verse 14, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. That's the second dimension is the lake of fire. Many times when we see in Scripture talking about hell, this is what we're talking about. This is the final place of hell. This is where Satan will be thrown. Praise the Lord for that. The Bible says, after the millennial reign, he will be released for a short time. That's something I'm going to ask the Lord when he gets up. Lord, why do you let him go again? You know, got him bound, but the Bible says, does say he will be released for a short time after the millennial reign. But when God says it's enough, it says an angel, it doesn't even mention the angel's name, will 
take Lucifer and throw him into the lake of fire. Oh, I'm so glad. And he will be done with forever and ever. That is his destination. Amen. I mean, we know where he ends up. And to me, it can't happen too soon. Verse 15 says this. Look at this again. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. If we find ourselves in that line, we already know whether our name is written or not. Now, I'm sure out of desperation, there will be many who say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out devils and do all matter of works for you? But in their hearts, Jesus mentions it, they will say, they will say, Lord, Lord. He said they won't enter in. In our hearts, we will know that we do not have a relationship with Jesus. It's the reason why it's so important for us. We can do great things for God, but unless they are the overflow of our relationship with the Lord, it does not matter. It may matter for someone else, but it does not matter for you. Let me close with this. Three things heaven and earth have in common that should be somewhere on there. Three things heaven and earth have in common. It's in your notes, I know, if you can follow along there. We'll catch those next week. Both heaven and earth, excuse me, heaven and hell, both were not created for mankind. The scripture teaches us that God made the earth for man. Earth was created for mankind. Before the first sin and the judgment that came with it, earth was the paradise in every way. Man didn't have to work for their food. Can anybody say, oh, man. There was no chaos, no evil, no peace. It was tranquility. Now, sure, the enemy showed up. The devil showed up, but Adam or Eve did not have to sin. They did. Prior to that, God himself would come and walk in the cool of the day, fellowshipping with them. Heaven was created by God and for God, and thankfully, now he's allowed some modifications to accommodate us. Aren't you glad for that? The scripture says that hell was not created for mankind either. It was created for Satan and his enemies and his demons. Another thing they both have in common is this. Both are making plans for you to come. We're just going to let that sit just for a moment. Both are making plans for you to come. Both places have employed all their resources to be your eternal home. Jesus has done all that he needed to do for you and I to make heaven our home. He gave everything that he could give his very life. He's given us his Holy Spirit to lead us to the good news of Jesus Christ. He's done everything. The scripture says that he is interceding for us. He's interceding for you. 
I really believe he's interceding for those that he's already paid the price, which is mankind. He's interceding for everyone that they would receive him. But hell is also working hard for you also. This is, I don't see anything in scripture that says you or I can pray a prayer and be eternally secure in our salvation. That prayer initiates a relationship with Jesus. And if we think that we can say a prayer and believe in the name of Jesus and do whatever else we want after that, we're not reading the same scripture. Now, as a Christian, a follower of Christ, I am not worried about missing heaven, and we should not. When we have a relationship with Jesus, we understand it's not by works, but by grace. But when the Holy Spirit comes in, Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you must deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. And as we're following him with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can't even do it within ourselves. We've got to have the Holy Spirit to help us. And with the help of the Holy Spirit working in us, we are on our way to heaven and we don't have to give hell a second thought. If we mess up and we sin, and which we will, the Holy Spirit convicts us, we repent, our will is pointed toward God, we don't have to worry about slipping up and, 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 and saying something by accident and ended up in hell. Aren't you thankful for that? Man, well, there is repentance, there is forgiveness, but it is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And hell wants you break off that relationship, to get away from God. Hell wants you at home. Let me give you the last one. Both require a decision, doesn't it? Both require a decision. The decision is simple. To receive a gift of salvation and to make Jesus your Lord. Or the decision is to reject that. Would you stand, please? To go to hell, I believe you have to step over God's love. Preached a message one time that was called Barriers to Hell. God's love is one of those barriers that you have to step over. The gospel of Jesus Christ is a barrier that you have to step over. You have to reject that, ah, it ain't for me. The conviction of the Holy Spirit is a barrier that we have to step over if we want to go to hell. God loves you and I so much that he has put barriers in our place out of his love for us. So for us to step into hell as our eternity, it is against everything he's done for us. But you and I have something within ourselves that's more powerful, with only within ourselves that's more powerful than him, and that is our will. And he will not override our will. Now, I understand I'm preaching to the choir.
But I'm preaching this message hoping that every one of us have already made a decision to follow Christ. I cannot take for granted that we have. And my hope is that with this information, that we become messengers of the good news of Jesus Christ. My prayer is that the Lord will give us a burden. I'm asking myself, would you give me a burden for the loss like I've never experienced? A couple of weeks ago, I pulled up at a little service station. And there was a guy, Indian nationality, not sure what country. All of this with Israel just happened and all of the sides. And, and I stand with Israel, God's people. I, I hate that innocent Palestinians are, you know, Hamas. I'm not going to get into all that, but they were sacrificing their own people. people. But. All of that was happening, and this little guy behind the register, an Indian guy, and I, and I felt like I was supposed to tell him, Jesus loves you. But all of that going on right now, and the, the sides, I was like, is that just me? You know how we do. Do y'all do that? Is that just me? No, it ain't me, right? And I got my stuff, and you know, we get in such a hurry doing things, so I go outside, and I'm feeling it again. Man, you're supposed to tell him Jesus loves you. What's it going to hurt? I mean, and I get in my car. I'm, I'm like, man, I will. I'm not, I've never been afraid to do that. I, was just, I, I don't want it to be laughed at. I, don't, I want it to be right. You know, I want it to be the Lord behind it. And, and I sit in my car, and, you know, I'm so thankful the Holy Spirit bugs me. Does he bug you? I mean, annoy, just right there. And I was like, okay, Lord, I, I ain't leaving that parking lot. I said, okay, I'll, that's what you want me to do. I'll go back in there now, Lord. You know, I won't fruit with that, right? And um, so as I'm fixing to open the door to walk back in, I park a little distance away from the door. He comes out of the door walking toward me. And there was another business apparently they own, and he was actually headed to that business, but I was exactly right in front of that part of the business. And he's walking toward me. And I get out. Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, Jesus. Sorry about that. Here you go. Hey, man, I need to let you know something. And he thought I was going to, uh, I, I, I think I said I forgot to tell you something, didn't tell. And he was like telling me, you know, welcome, go back in the store. He said, no. I said, no. Jesus loves you. Man, I just want to let you know, Jesus loves you. And I got the response that I thought I would get. Like, okay, yeah, thank you. You know, it's sort of surprised. Probably the way I pointed at him. <laughs> but I know if the Lord troubled me that much, he had a reason why. There's a reason why. And the needs are all around us. Move church. Let's not get in our Christian bubble and that we forget all around us. There are people who are headed to one of these eternal homes. There's only two. It's either heaven or it's hell. And our message is the good news purchased by love. We don't have to go point out sins. 
and provoke them against the gospel. Let's give them the message of love of what God has already done. Would you bow your head, please? Jesus. Would you just pray for just a moment? someone who knows that they're headed for heaven and knew it as a child but I also can tell you I knew also I was headed for hell and God's grace and mercy was so strong during that time of my life loving me such a way I had to acknowledge him. That same love is for you today. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, not, don't, I'm not, nobody's trying to scare you into heaven. It's not my goal and it's not the Holy Spirit's goal. But I'm telling you, if you look at what's available for you in heaven and the abundant life he wants to give you on earth, his presence is heavy in this house. He's wooing you. He loves you so much. You can't be good enough. Don't listen to that. The Holy Spirit will help you to live a life pleasing to the Lord. But today you say, Pastor, I don't know. Every one of us knows. But you would say, I don't know if I could go to heaven today if I breathe my last but today I do want to know and I want a relationship with my Jesus. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Yes, ma'am. No, you don't have to be ashamed. I promise you. God's love is here. Anyone else? And young lady, if you were the only one, this message was for you. And I praise God for it. Anyone else? Anyone else? Don't be ashamed. The presence of the Lord is here. Pastor, I just want to know for sure that I'd go to heaven today. If Jesus would come today, I want to make sure that I am headed north. I'm headed up. Anyone else? Thank you, Jesus. Would you look at me just for a moment? We're going to pray. And there was one young lady that raised her hand. And I'm telling you, the Bible says that heaven heaven rejoices at one sinner who repents and I'm telling you that's heaven so the news hits heaven one would say to others hey somebody's repenting right now and there's a party that takes place and we're going to we're fixing a party with you we're going to pray it together church would you pray it we're going to give you the words and you give God your heart okay heavenly father Thank you for loving me 
so much that you gave your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sins. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. Would you come into my heart? Would you change my life? And I'm gonna do my best to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's rejoice with heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you are saved, come on, let's praise God. If he is your Lord, come on, let's praise him. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I'm fixing to pray that if you would like to have a greater burden for the lost, would you raise your hand? I'm raising mine. Help me, Lord God, not to be so consumed with living life on this earth. Would you ask the Lord to burden you for someone? Would you ask him to burden you? I need everybody to be quiet at this moment unless we're praying. Ask him to burden you right now for the lost. In the name of Jesus, burden me, Lord God. Give me the name. Let me see their face. Give me the message to tell them. Uh, you already have given me the message, but put it on my heart, the words to say. Lord, we want to be used by you. We want to be used by you. We want to be used by you. Holy Ghost, come and anoint now as hands are lifted. I'm asking for an anointing. Jesus, you said that we will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon us and we will be your witnesses. Come, Holy Ghost, a fresh touch of your power, I pray. And I thank you, Lord God. I thank you. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're, When your message is motivated by love, and it should be, it's God's love, don't, get, don't listen to the devil that says you're going to offend them. If they get offended, it's not your fault. When it's given in love, and it's about the love of God, if they get offended, that means it's conviction. Don't let it bother you that way. Satan will try to talk you out of it, won't he? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's just thank him again. Can you just in closing, just for a moment, just remember how it was to be lost, how it was in your sin, but the Lord sought you out. Thank you. Thank you. We praise you, Lord. If you want to be baptized in water, there is a date set, and this is the next couple of weeks, you can sign up at the counter uh, there. Just put your name. There will be an orientation that morning of, and say, well, Pastor, I don't know if I need to be baptized or, or not. Okay, it, it's not going to hurt. <laughs> I mean, it, my question when it comes to that, have you sinned since you were baptized last? <laughs> I mean, man, I love, it's, it's, it's not going to hurt. Let me bless you before you leave. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Have a great Sunday, everyone.